This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to the Dear Prudence show once again. And as always, I am your host, Dear Prudence, also known as Daniel Mallory Ortberg. With me in the studio this week is Matt Martin, who has worked in public radio for many years, including a long stint as station manager of KALW-FM San Francisco. He uh, recently launched Tilt, a new brand of public media by and for young people to help them navigate an out-of-balance economy. Matt, welcome to the show. This is great to be here. Thank you. It is so great to have you here. It's so great to have... um, the timestamp on my car updated so I don't get a ticket for doing the show today. Uh, And I'm just really excited to start with a very just like mundane sort of question, which is the sort of problem of like working with other human beings day in and day out and realizing that it's so easy to hurt one another's feelings and how hard it can be to ghost someone whose building you work in. Yes. I'll go ahead and, and, and read this first one, mostly if I'm honest, because the second letter it's very long and complicated. Okay, great. And I want to make you. you read it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give myself the easiest one. So um, the subject is just ghosting an annoying coworker. Dear Prudence, I need your advice on how slash if to approach a coworker, Anne. Anne and I used to work in the same department. She was friendly and I was new to the company and eager to make friends. We went out several times, shared some pretty personal stories and seemed to click initially. However, the more I got to know her, the less I enjoyed our time together. She talked constantly. I've never experienced anything like it. High-speed, frenetic rambling so intense she could hardly take a breath. She'd interrupt me in the middle of a sentence to change the subject and talk about something else. She'd also repeat the same very detailed and lengthy stories over and over, even after I told her she'd already told me. She started coming by my desk constantly for help. She's been with this company for more than five years and is assigned only the easiest of tasks. Think of a baker who makes the same snickerdoodles every morning but still wants to go over the recipe in detail every day. A few months ago, I was promoted and transferred, and I must admit, I felt relief in not having to see her every day. As I was leaving, she cornered me to ask me when we were going out again. I just said I'd probably be pretty busy for a while, that I had lots of stuff going on, etc. Last week, I had to go to her department for a meeting. She was on the phone, so I waved. She did not wave back and instead gave me a very dirty look. I assume because I never got back to her to plan a date. Do I owe her some kind of closure? I don't wish her ill or think that she's a bad person, but I'm not interested in spending time together in the future. Though I'm sure we will run into each other again, I'm not sure how to handle this when we do. I... Seems to me Anne's given you a great gift with that dirty look. That was the exact sentence that was running through my head. I'm like, I'm like, all right, you want to be that way? Now we can make a nice transition from we were potential office friends to now we are very office acquaintance. Yeah. The gift of clarity uh, is one I sometimes talk about on this show. And she has let you know how she feels about your declining to take her out and trade a lot of personal stories, which is that she's just going to glare at you when you show up in her department. And that's all. You're not going to be managing her. Like, if you had to manage her, that'd be a whole problem. 
But I don't think you two are, you know, if you're already getting promoted after coming to the company pretty recently and she's still struggling with very simple tasks five years in, the odds that the two of you are ever going to um, work parallel to one another again are pretty slim. And she may well have a whole constellation of people she's in this relationship with at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you can let yourself off the hook there, but it's really nice of Anne to help you out. Yeah. I, I think especially my thought here was like, oh, I was new to the company She's probably run through most yeah. people at the company who who know what she's after, which is to kind of latch onto you and tell long stories. And that's why she has to kind of trawl for new young people who don't yet know how to say no. Um, the fact that she responded to a pretty generic, like, I'm pretty busy, I'll let you know. I mean, you may want to work on your hand. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think that exactly. It. Yeah, you wave at her, you say hello if you pass her in the hallways. If she glares at you, you move on with your day and you say, this is an unreasonable person who is mad at me about a foolish thing. Yeah, worry about something more important. Yeah. Congratulations. You you just <laughs> dealt with your first um, annoying coworker. And and you, Matt, just, just answered your first year Bruden's question. I feel great. It's going to get worse. You read my mind, so. I mean, I meant about the beginning yes. of your answer, not that it's going to get worse. Although this is worse because it's about parental estrangement, and that's a lot harder than yeah. an annoying coworker. But I don't have to read it. Subject. My father doesn't get the memo on me not wanting to speak with him. Dear Prudence. When I was five, my parents divorced. My father wasn't a happy or nice man, but as a child, you tend not to notice. He was horrible to my mother and tried to ruin her life. I realized when I was a teenager after many horrible holiday trips and therapy sessions that both he and my stepmother were terrible people, and I began refusing to visit them, as was my right under the custody agreement. He blamed my mother for this. Once I went to college, I began to whittle down contact. I had an inheritance to help pay for a little of my college, and my father sent me some money. The inheritance was mine, but my dad had the account information. He used this to try to establish some kind of hold on me. Once I finished school, I had one final conversation with him, which did not go well. And since then, I've rarely spoken to him, avoided phone calls, left text messages and DMs unread. He did not attend my wedding, which I admittedly structured in such a way that he wouldn't want to or couldn't come. I unfriended the stepmother on Facebook after she attacked my husband. He still, every now and again, includes me in a group text or sends me DMs which all sit unopened. On more than one occasion, he called my little sister to try to get such information out of her like my address. I've played this game before. He sends something to which I would have to reach out and say thank you for, and then he tries to shove his way back into my life. I don't want to talk to him. I haven't said this outright, which I'm sure you'll tell me to do, but that requires a direct conversation, and the manipulation will start if that happens. I have a wonderful father, my stepdad, and a wonderful mother. I want my father and stepmother to forget they know me, and vice versa. I don't want kids anyway for a multitude of reasons, but adding to that decision on some level is the fact that if I did have a kid, he would triple down his efforts because he wants to be a grandpa and I would never want my child to have to put up with him for one second of their lives. But they may choose to in the end, and I couldn't bear to see that happen. Man, so I just want to acknowledge, like, this is a really painful, painful-sounding situation, and um, I just feel for you, and I realize that this kind of isn't your main question, and I'm aware that you say that there's a number of reasons that you don't want children, but I would just like to throw out there that if part of you feels like you've already foreclosed on the idea of children because you believe that um, your father could kind of override any choices you would want to make about your children, I would just really encourage you to 
revisit that. Um, let yourself be open to different possibilities. Maybe talk that over with different friends or friends who have had to um, set boundaries with their parents up to and including total estrangement. Um, potentially speak to a therapist about what it might look like. I just want you to feel like if you don't want kids for other reasons because you don't want them, great. But uh, if you feel like I have to not want kids so that I can um, feel safe from my dad, mm-hmm. I want you to feel like you have a lot of options there. Um, I'll, I'll leave that one because, again, I don't know what your other reasons are, but that one just sort of stood out to me as I don't want him to make that decision right, for you. Right, exactly, yeah. And I think one of the hard things about a situation like this is it can feel like, how do I set boundaries with somebody who behaves unreasonably? Because there can kind of be this idea of like, well, if they don't agree to my boundary, I can't ever mm. set one. Like, I have to convince my dad to leave me alone in order to never speak to my dad again. What was your read on this one? How, how, how did you feel like they could move ahead? Well, I was so, I mean, the sense that I get is this is right now just kind of an occasional electronic communication. Right, that's really where we're at right now, mm-hmm. which I have no doubt. When that pops up, that's painful, right? And that's a, that's a day ruiner, a week ruiner. You know, it's the kind of thing that obviously has a really strong grasp. And so, I guess I'm kind of. I mean, I don't know if there hasn't been. I mean, I I do wonder whether there's a way to make a direct and clear statement of the boundary that hasn't been made. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand. There's been a lot of statements of boundaries here, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that go back for years. So I think that maybe maybe it's time to kind of go, okay, this, this boundary's been set here. Now are you gonna, how are you going to enforce it for yourself or let yourself not be held to that? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, the bit about I'm sure you'll tell me to do, I get where that's coming from, and I, I often do in fairness. But mm-hmm. if part of you just feels like, if you just want permission to start blocking him on social media and writing return to sender on anything he sends to your house, you can do that right now. Yeah. Uh, especially with a parent and with a parent who has um, steamrolled over you your whole life, uh, used you know money to um, manipulate and control you, who, who's been cruel and neglectful. Um, you don't have to like have it out with him if you just want to ignore him forever. He's not going to go anywhere. You have my moral permission to ignore this guy for the rest of your life if that's what you feel like you want to do. Um, So you say you unfriended your stepmother on Facebook. It sounds like you haven't done that yet with your dad. And if you haven't, please do it right now. You get to. Go do it right now. Unfriend him. Block him. Block him on Facebook. Block him on Twitter. Block him on Instagram. Block him on whatever social media networks you use. Um, Set your private message or direct message filters to such that you can only receive messages from people who you follow um, so that you're not going to get like a a backlog of of secret messages that you eventually find. Um, Block his email address. Write return to sender on anything he mails to your house. If he mails you a present and you're like, oh, no, now I have to thank him. No, you you don't. Set it on fire. Give it to a friend. Take it to a friend's house who will help you set it on fire. Like... (laughs) Yeah. The only thing I wondered was about the sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I thought that was, you know, obviously this is a parent who will do anything to try to go past those boundaries, right? That's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I wondered about that, about what that conversation there might be. Because yeah. that's actually a place where, like, that's obviously a relationship that's still intact mm-hmm. on both sides. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I Just for maybe the, the process. But I'd actually be curious what you think about that. Yeah, I wasn't sure how old the little sister was. Yeah. Um, it, I'd have a slightly different read if, if the sister was a child. Um, depending on her age, if you can have an age-appropriate conversation with her about this, just say, 
I'm 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 done with dad. Right. Uh, I'm not trying to engage with him anymore. I realized that whenever I try to, he just tries to manipulate me again, and I, I can't deal with that. So, I would like to ask you if he does try to contact you to find out information about me. Um, I would like you not to give it to him. Understanding that if she says I'm not sure I can do that, you'll have to then you know as they sometimes say like put her on an information diet. Hmm. Um, which is not always the thing that you want, but if it's really important to you to hold that boundary and she lets you know, I'm not sure I can help, um, then maybe she does not get the most up-to-date information about where you are or what you're doing. Yeah, it's hard. Um, but yeah, I think to just let her know, like, this is what I'm doing for myself. Um, I- I'm not going to respond to any of his attempts to get in touch with me. And just to give yourself permission, if you're like, man, if he starts in on me, I know he'll be able to wear me down eventually. Give yourself permission to hang up in the middle of a sentence Mm -hmm. or to delete an email or to ask a friend to kind of help help you deal with the detritus your dad might attempt attempt to fling at you like i have a hard time returning packages unopened if they come from him or i have a hard time um blocking his phone number can you come over and help me with that Mm -hmm. Um, and can i just check in with you maybe once or twice a month about how that's going so that you have somebody in your corner who's aware that this is an ongoing difficult process for you because again you've you've been whittling this down for a long time and that's really hard i'm proud of you i congratulate you for that but that last little window can feel like oh no i'm being a bad kid Mm -hmm. or your dad might start to get panicked that you're you know really closing the door and he might try to escalate. And so I think asking other people for help or for advice or both might help make this feel less stressful. And again, if if part of you is worried, you sound reasonable. I think you're making an appropriate choice. I don't think that your dad is like a good guy who's trying his best. Um, Your stepmother, it sounds like possibly physically attacked your husband. Um, (laughs) I'm hoping it was an online attack. Yeah, that would be, which is sad when you're like, boy, I hope she just (laughs) harassed him on the internet. Um, yeah, you, you are well rid of this deeply, deeply unpleasant man. I'm so glad you have a great stepdad and a mm-hmm. wonderful mother. Um, yeah, with how much harder would it be? Yeah. And maybe, I don't know if they're kind of an untapped resource here, but you might just say, I'm having a really hard time, um, getting him out of my life and I don't need you to fix it for me, but I just want you to know that I'm dealing with this. And my guess is, you know, your mom, it says that you, you say that he tried to ruin her life. She probably has some experience here. She might even have some advice that's useful like here's what i did that worked for me Hmm. so i just think you get to forget about your father and stepmother you can't control whether or not they forget about you but you can absolutely control whether or not you ever look at anything they send you or or ever respond to any attempt to get in touch with you and you have the right to do that i I want you to get to do that um i hope you can get all the support that you need as you do it um yeah good luck yeah so on the subject of Tricky dads. We have another tricky dad. Whole mailbag full of them. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a dad heavy week this week. Um, the subject is dads denying climate change. Dear Prudence, I'm a professional science communicator, so I usually have quite a bit of confidence talking to people about climate change, conservation, and other sometimes controversial subjects. However, my father is a poster boy for climate change denial. I've never really gotten along well with him. He's very far right, and as I'm a girl, he thinks I'm a lesser human being. That's just how it's always been. I try to be pleasant to him, especially since I'm a single mom with sole custody, and I've had to move back in with my parents so I can attend graduate school. I'm shifting my focus from science communication to remote sensing slash GIS for conservation. I just started a couple of weeks ago, and I'm loving it, but it's almost like my dad wants me to fail or quit. 
He's constantly blurting out sarcastic statements about how the world is going to end and emailing me articles about, quote, fake science. I'm trying to be the best version of myself that I can be and a good role model for my son. I work to pay the bills. I study. I give my son everything he needs. But to make matters worse, my father tells me that because I'm left-leaning and a single mom that I'm going to, quote, turn my son gay. I'm at the point where I want to cut my dad out of my life. I don't have the financial means to move yet, but I'm hoping in a year I can apply to be a PhD student and move far away with my child. Do you have any advice for what I can do in the meantime? Mm. Yeah, yeah. You, see, you just start to get angry, right? Oh, yeah. Especially when you imagine being trapped, right? Yes. Where you really have that feeling of both trapped, like I need a place to live while I get through grad school, mm-hmm. and I'm trapped because I can't actually feel like I can respond genuinely because here's my kid yeah, who I really, really care about. Like, what's the model of relationship? Although, I mean, I think there's, this isn't the model you want either. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I could so feel that, like, I'm a professional science communicator and my dad chooses this subject to try to get under my skin about because this is, uh, you know, this is this like targets directly something I I feel passionately about, something I'm normally good at. And then in five seconds, my dad puts me in a position where I feel absolutely at the end of my rope. It's it's right-wing trolling, but it's most importantly trolling Mm -hmm. from your own parent about things that are important to you. Right. And you say you live with your parents, but you don't say anything in here about your mom. So I, I assume she's not like an untapped resource who's been totally missing all of this. She's either agrees with him or or just is not able to stand up to him or, or help you much in that sense. Was that the read you got here? I Well, of course you wonder. Yeah. It's the first thing you think, well, it's not that big a house. She's in one of the wings, right? So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I I just, you know, I thought that the the statement of like I'm trying to be the best version of myself. Here's all the things that I do that are basically like these aren't these aren't things anybody this is what you'd want your child to be like as they try to raise a child and try to make their way in the world. I I don't know. It's we, it's really hard to tell what what the dad's gripe is exactly, right? It sounds like part of it is that he had a daughter. Um, it, you know, that line about, that just throwaway yeah. line almost. He thinks I'm a lesser human being because I'm a girl, and that's how it's always been. That's killer. But look who she is. She's remarkable. Right? And that's part of what I, I mean, of course, like, you know, like being us, it's easy for us to go, well, hey, here, put forward this. But I think there's some ways like, hey, this is, uh, I'm a person to be proud of. I'm trying to do some important things here, including take care of your grandchild. Yeah. And um, how, how do you talk about, can we you know, kind of agree to disagree or set aside some things that are just painful for us? Yeah. You know, for me. I oftentimes, especially when it comes to the possibility of estrangement from a parent for a letter writer, I look for, um, is there a way to have some sort of a, a an open and honest conversation right now? If mm-hmm. not... Is it possible to leave the door open for one in the future? And if that's not possible either, how do you kind of cut your losses with minimal um, energy? Like I think of our last letter writer who was really like, I've been expending more emotional energy than I want to. I want to give myself permission to just acknowledge and accept this person does not seem likely to change. Um, I, I don't need to make myself feel responsible for healing this relationship. Am I allowed to just move on? And and I would put this in a in a similar category. It, your dad's been treating you like a lesser human being because of your gender since you were born. He's not ever letting up. He's relentless. He's disparaging your work. Um, he's telling you you're going to turn your baby son gay because you 
are a single parent. You know, this is not a person who's interested in having a reasonable conversation with you. So the good news is in a year, you think you'll be able to move far away. So putting as much of your energy as possible right now into figuring out where can I apply, what professional advice can I give about how to make myself the most attractive possible candidate, what do I need to know about these PhD programs, like invest your energy there as much as you can. Um, In the short term, if you have any friends that would be willing to let you stay even one night a week with them, with your kid, Hmm. even one night a month, um, ask for that. Just, just, just like anybody who's like, hey, can we just crash in your guest room for one Sunday? I would love to have a meal with someone who doesn't want to bring up how climate change is fake um, and I can't get that at home. Just any little respite that you can plan for yourself in between now and the day that you can move away will be useful. Um, and for me, what I would do is I would work for the day when I don't have to see my dad on a regular basis. And in between now and then, um, consider him a person um who you do not need to worry about like uh paving the way for a good relationship in the future you just don't want to waste a lot of time and energy on him so that might look like um a lot of smiling and nodding that might look like i'm not going to talk about that with you um that might look like leaving the room that might look like saying yeah you're probably right my son probably will be gay I don't know how he'll respond to that so mm-hmm. that might be like the kind of thing that would provoke him into a bigger argument it might be just responding with like, what a strange thing for you to say. Because, right, there's not, there's not a conversation to be had. Somebody's mm-hmm. doing that to you. That's not why they're doing it, because they actually want to have that conversation. Right. And so I think that's interesting thing, but what are just ways to, and also, yeah, way, and I think also just for me, I would be rehearsing some different things for myself to say, like, what actually makes me feel like, oh, I'll just be a little, I'll go back two notches and give it a damn what he's saying. Yeah. And that's hard to do emotionally because he's your parent and you live with him. So I don't want to pretend it'll just be as easy as not caring about your father <laughs> who wants you to fail. Um, but holding that place in your heart aside from him and saying, there will come a day in the future that I can really let myself grieve this loss, experience anger. And that day will be when I don't live with this asshole. And it will hopefully be with a therapist. And I'm going to work as hard as I can to get to that place. And in the meantime, I'm just going to compartmentalize this to the best of my ability. And on the days when I can't compartmentalize, I'll grab my son, I'll go to the park, I'll stay at a friend's house, whatever I can do to get away. Um, But, you know, I think you're right. I think your dad does want you to fail or quit. Um, I I think your dad is actively sabotaging you. And I'm so sorry. Um, And... Whatever, you know, I've talked sometimes on the show about like the practice of quote unquote gray rocking, um, which is behaving as bland and forgettable as a gray rock with somebody who really wants you to freak out Mm. or argue um, so that they get bored and wander away. And I also want to acknowledge it's not a perfect strategy. Sometimes there are people who are just determined to harass you. And even if you give them nothing, they won't go away. Um, But it's worth a shot, Mm. I think, just to find out whether he is that kind. And so just not giving him anything to to grab onto is is going to be a good strategy but um yeah yeah just just sort of mentally resigning yourself to this is not a real relationship that we have we're not going to be able to come back from this um i don't need to worry too much about trying to change his mind um because he does not have an open mind and you're doing great things in a difficult circumstance oh amazing things under deeply frustrating circumstances you should give yourself so much credit which I th- and I think that's what that's what your son needs to see too. It's like you you're you feel good about what you're doing and you should. Yeah, yeah. And boy oh boy, if you have any other extended family or close friends who would be willing to let you stay with them for longer than a day or two, ask, ask, ask. Um, 
because if there's a chance, I want you to take that. I want you to be with anybody else besides this guy. And good, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that bit about, I mean, the thing about like, you're going to quote, turn yourself gay. I mean. One, I love the one year. Yeah. One year. Yeah. The, the, the calendar will turn. Yes. Time will happen and you can start, you know, the second you move out, you can block his email, block him on Facebook, write return to sender and just, you know, this, this is not a guy who's going to get to be close to his grandchild. He can do whatever else he wants. All right. So this next letter is, uh, I, I, one thing that's remarkable is every week, if I read a letter, I immediately forget that I read it. I can't tell you if I read the last letter or not. Did I? Oh, in terms of reading it aloud. Yeah, in terms of reading it aloud. Yep, that was you. Fantastic. Um, then would you We're in the zone. Yeah, Yeah, this is good. Uh, Would you read this one? Zone of forgetting. Here we go. Subject. Am I wrong to be annoyed with how often my fiancé falls asleep on the couch? Dear Prudence, my fiancé falls asleep on the couch almost every night. This bothers me for reasons that for years I have not been able to figure out. If I bring it up to him, he gets annoyed and says he just wants to chill by himself and watch TV for a while. I'd be cool with that if that's what he was actually doing. I don't understand why he doesn't just say, yeah, I'm probably just going to sleep on the couch. I tried to look into this online and have found many other women with the same problem. That gives me a bit of comfort knowing I'm not alone. However, none of them seem to know a solution or why they feel so angry. Tonight, I just about had it when I'd actually fallen asleep on the couch. He was asleep in the chair when I woke up around 1 a.m. I told him, let's go to bed. And he proceeded to get up, eat some chips, and then almost immediately laid on the couch, told me he was going to watch TV for a while, and fell asleep. All of this happened within five minutes. We argued about this, just as we have for years. I came out of the bedroom for a moment and asked, asleep him, if he would at least come to tell me goodnight. He proceeded to get up, shut the TV off, and angrily crawl into bed, upset, rambling about how he did the dishes three times and cleaned up and just wanted to watch some fucking TV. I understand that I'm hounding him and have some control issues, but I can't tell if my being upset is warranted or if I am overreaching. I have also read several psychology articles that talk about the benefits of going to bed together and all of the things that can do for a relationship, more than you think. I've told him this, but it doesn't seem to matter. I have wondered if I am bothered because growing up, my father never fell asleep in front of the TV. My mom would go sit in bed and read at around 8.30. My dad would watch the news and then go to bed with my mom. They'd talk and say their nighttime prayers together and then go to sleep. I saw personally how much good this did for them. Should I let my fiancé alone and just deal with my issues with a therapist? He has refused therapy in the past, so him going on his own or even with me is not an option. Am I wrong to want him to come to bed if all he's doing is watching TV, a.k.a. sleeping? Please help. I don't know what to do anymore, and I feel like I'm losing not only my mind, but years off my life. I'm really glad that they wrote because, you know, if you're at the stage of I feel like I'm losing my mind and years off of my life. You're feeling it. You're feeling it. You, you, this is good that you're acknowledging it. Um, this feels... Again, not that you have to call off the wedding uh, permanently, but you call this guy your fiance and then you say that you feel like you're losing your mind and years off of your life. If the wedding is soon, consider postponing it. And if the wedding is not soon, um, consider, you know, couples counseling, 
reevaluating whether or not you would like to schedule the wedding because at the very least like the minimum problem is that you two do not know how to effectively communicate that's the minimum what was your read on this i don't know what your policy of falling asleep in front of the tv is but uh, um you know people have different needs different things well you know some people have a different schedule they go to work they get home late whatever but if you you got to figure it out yeah at least to have an agreement yeah. about and to talk about why you do what you do and uh that part about should i let my fiance alone i was like yeah <laughs> but not about this i just this doesn't is there anything sounding good here no i mean you don't even sometimes when people write about a situation that's really bad with a partner they'll include a, something at the beginning that's like i love my partner but or they'll list three or four great qualities i didn't see that here I didn't see anything in here about like when it comes to other things, he's really supportive or he's a great listener or he makes me feel cherished or we we, we enjoy other activities together, yeah. anything. It was just um, I, I, I feel like I have to come up with a reason for why I don't like falling asleep alone. And then when I try to ask my partner to come to bed with me, you know, he like shouts about how many times he unloaded the dishwasher and and starts like angrily cursing about the importance of the TV, which is the only thing that can soothe, you know, his care adult soul at the end of a long day. And that just sounds miserable. And I just think, wouldn't you rather just kind of quietly go to bed in a, in a house that he's not in? Yeah. Say your own prayer. Yeah. I guess. And the, yeah, I just wonder whether this, I mean, this is just kind of emblematic of the lack of communication that's going on, period. Yeah. And if that's the case, I mean, I just, that's that's what it sounds like when we're reading this. And so if that's the case, and this is someone who has basically made it clear he won't go to therapy or he won't really want to talk, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah, and again, you know, I don't think you need to either... I, I, I get that you're looking for support in all these other places. Like if I find enough other women online who experience this, then that's real. Or if I can think about what my dad did that was different than this, then it's real. And it's just like, I think part of the reason that you feel like you need to go find this elsewhere is because your partner does not give any weight to you saying, I feel neglected and hurt. Your partner's response to that is, who fucking cares? I don't want to entertain it. I don't want to consider potential compromises. I don't want to hear about it. It's me and the TV, and you're getting in the way of my love, which is passing out in front of the television. Um, so this idea of maybe if I just don't even talk to him about how I'm feeling and go see a therapist for the express purpose of I can let out all my emotions with a therapist so that by the time I get back to my fiance, I don't have any emotional needs. That does not make me think, boy, you two should get married. No, it's or, a great time to stop. Yeah. I, so... This to me feels pretty emblematic of just your level of mutual respect or interest in one another's well-being. And if you are at a point where you think, um, I don't know what to do anymore. I guess I could never talk to him about my desires and feelings again and just make a therapist deal with it. Um, consider losing the fiance and seeing the therapist by yourself. I, I, I know that there's a part of you that wants what your parents had. Maybe you will find that if you ditch this guy, but even if you don't, I just think going to bed peacefully in your own home and, and nobody is like snoring on the couch ready to scream at you if you say, would you like to be asleep in bed together, fiance? Yeah. Um, that, would, that would probably be better than what you're doing right now. And where you, I mean, to have a relationship where you can talk about your differences, 
that's the that I mean that's the hard part, but that's the that's when you know you've got it. Yeah. Right? When you can take the differences, work with them some and get to some place where you neither of you have to be what each other want. Yeah. But you're something together. Yeah, even if your partner was just like, Man, I also weirdly just love falling asleep in front of the TV some of the time. What if um we kind of, you know, planned out a schedule or like some nights I'd like to do that, but I'll I'll let you know in advance so that I'm not, you know, doing it every night and like it is not unreasonable to want to go to bed at the same time as the partner that you live with. That's not a weird, creepy desire. No. Um, I also understand lots of couples have different arrangements, so I don't want to imply that everyone has to sleep in the exact same way. But yes, the desire that you have for physical and emotional intimacy is not unreasonable. Um, the problem is not that you have needs. The problem is that your partner is filled with contempt for them. Um, and so, uh, I, I don't think you should marry this man. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you should marry this man. I don't think this man wants to marry you. I think this man thinks of you as an annoying gnat that sometimes distracts him from TV. And I don't want you to marry someone who thinks of you in that way. Yeah, that whole getting... <laughs> yeah, I'm coming to bed. Hang on. I need some chips. No, I, like He's just lying to you. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I'm coming to bed. And then just like grabs a bag of chips and goes back to watch TV. Like... The man doesn't respect you. You deserve at least peace and quiet. Okay. Okay. That's enough from me. I hope I hear back from you and that you have a wonderful time sleeping in your new home alone. Um, And uh, maybe invite some pals over for the occasional sleepover if you just want a warm body somewhere in the house. So this is the last one. Uh, The subject is, it's my money and I want it now. Dear Prudence. I'm trans and I have a tortured relationship with my mother, my only living immediate family. I'm working to accept that I will probably never have a relationship with her again because of things that she said, like, I'm almost glad that your dad is dead because he'd be so disappointed in you. My dad was killed and he did not have a will. We received insurance payments from several sources and they were folded into a single trust with my mother as the executor. Because of probate stuff, I know I'm entitled to a certain percentage of it, but she's never been clear about how much there is or what I'm entitled to. I didn't want to bring this fraught money stuff up when I thought there was a chance of our reconciling, but last weekend at my grandmother's funeral, my mother refused to look at me and then had one of my aunts give me a quilt that she had embroidered with stuff about how she'd cried a lot over me. It was not a nice thing to get at my grandmother's funeral. I hate conflict, but I also want to get this money. It's one of the last things really tying me to her, and I honestly want it all to be over. What should I do? How do I deal with this without starting another fight? My extended family kind of knows that we aren't speaking, but they think that we're both being stubborn and dramatic. At the funeral last weekend, nobody asked about it or mentioned it at all. I'm not sure what to do. I feel profoundly lost and sad. But also, if I am legally entitled to money, I don't want to just give it to my mom because I hate conflict. No, this is the one I was like, oh, the pain. The, yeah. Just the real pain. And, and yeah, lawyers. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just like, this is what they're for. Yeah. Do you want to get somebody who, not that they're going to be in, their purpose is not immediately to be in conflict, but if there must be conflict, they will do it. They, that's part of what they deal with for you. And I'm sorry, this is, so this is public record. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I, I went there, too, because this is a really clear-cut case of you're illegally entitled to this money. So a lawyer will be able to get you there real fast. Um, and, and as you say, you're at a point where you're aware that the emotional relationship between you and your mom is gone. Because she says things like, I'm glad your father is dead. Um, you are right to say, 
I need to limit the time I spend with her or talk to her um, because she'll try to hand me emotionally manipulative quilts, which is a whole new level of emotional manipulation. I, I wasn't even that wasn't even on my radar in terms of how a parent could manipulate a child. So, yep, contact a lawyer and, and explain the situation and just say, you know, I don't, I don't know what your state laws are, but they're usually pretty straightforward. If a parent dies without a will and the child is entitled to a certain amount, this is a. I think there's an excellent, excellent chance that you will be able to get this resolved pretty straightforwardly. Um, but find a lawyer, have them handle the conflict, have them serve your mother with the notice that, you know, she has such and such an amount of time to turn the money over to you um, and let the lawyer have that fight. Yeah. I mean, if the executor could just keep secret what's in wills, there's a whole lot of novels that wouldn't be going anywhere. Yeah. Right. I mean, that that information has to be accessible. Yep. And by somebody who knows how to do it. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, a lawyer will just be able to get that information. Um, a lawyer will not worry if your mother says mean things to them because the lawyer doesn't care about her. It's not their mom. Um, and, and I don't say that all to make light of, like, just stop worrying about it. Get the lawyer. Get your money. I just mean, I think you're at a point where you're realizing I have let um, my hope for my mother um, be that she will turn her around, that she will change her mind, that she will treat me differently. I think it's time for me to stop hoping um, and to accept that this relationship is over. Um, and so, you know, if the relationship's already over, but you still could potentially get money from your father's untimely death, I want you to have that. My goodness. Mm-hmm. No, and you're in, it's just in the process of this note, you're separating these questions. Yeah. And, and that's, that's right. Yeah. So... I understand your sadness. I understand your sense of loss. I hope that you're able to talk about that with people in your life who do love you and who do treat you well. Um, and I just encourage you to contact a lawyer right away um, who can make sure that you get the money that you're entitled to. And that way you don't even have to fight with your mom. No. She may, if she hears from a lawyer, want to start a fight with you. She may try to come at you from the other angle of, you know, what an ungrateful child. I can't oh, believe you'd send a lawyer. It's, it's likely. Me. Yeah. I think you can expect that. Yeah. Would you, if that were, if that were to happen, would you encourage our letter writer to ignore it, to forward it to the lawyer, to try to at least once say, that's not what I'm doing, mom? What, what would be your thought there? Yeah. I, I mean, I think an, an honest, you know, I think maybe one response, but, I, it, but it's, it's, it, it's really hard because right now this is, a, there's clear that the letter writer is in a, in a moment of make, trying to make this detachment, right? So I, I, I don't, I, mean, I guess it. It's going to be a feel thing about like, is that actually going to let that feel more definitive or is it just going to going to turn it around again in a way that that's not helpful? It's really hard. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a good point. And I think if you just sort of um, if you do hear from her, once you start talking to a lawyer, um, feel free to just forward it to your lawyer if yep. it's at all relevant. And if it's not, feel free to just delete it. Your mom is clearly trying to work something out that doesn't actually have a lot to do with you. Mm hmm. Well, Matt, thank you so much. Dan, this was fun. Uh, I, I'm so really? glad. I'm yeah. glad you had your notes and your oh, your I come prepared. Calm de demeanor. It was just useful, and 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 I hope that all of our letter writers walk away feeling a little bit buoyed, a little bit strengthened. Yeah. No, these are real, real things. And I hope I pronounced buoyed correctly. I'm not sure. I've only <laughs> ever written it out. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Don't miss an episode of the show. 
head to slate.com slash dear prudence to subscribe. And remember, you can always hear more prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash prudipod to sign up. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR, that's 3327, and you may hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short, 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. Here's a preview of our Slate Plus episode coming this Friday. Now and then there's broken relationships happen. And these and they're so important, right? This is so important professionally. Yeah. Right? Which become which is your life. Yeah. And to have to kind of you're kind of joined at the hip with these people who you at this point hate. Yeah. Like, how could you not? Yeah. So I think your strategy of, you know, removing their names from your CV and and making sure that they're not finding out where you're applying to, great. That's absolutely the right thing to do. And I don't want to say I went back and forth in the sense that, like, I, I think there's a number of things that your advisors did where, like, even if I were to assume that you were a very, very, like, the work that you were doing was way off the mark, you weren't listening to any advice, even if you were behaving as badly as a PhD candidate could behave, that would still not explain or justify what they were doing. To listen to the rest of that conversation, join Slate Plus now at slate.com forward slash prudipod.